Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Welcome to All Texas Football. Uh, we have a New Year's Eve slash New Year's edition for you. This is the year in review of 2021 uh, for the University of Texas football team, basketball team, and sports in general. Uh, with me, I have Inside Texas's Joe Cook, who's uh, the Inside Texas beat writer uh, for Texas football and basketball. Uh, he's also uh, the producer and uh, guest of one in, his one and podcast, uh, which is produced every Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, great podcast if you ever want to give it a listen. Uh, as far as uh, this show is concerned, here's what we're going to try to do today. Um, it's going to be uh, uh, a little bit of a review. We're going to name what we think or categorize what we think are the five biggest uh, news events of the year for Texas sports. Uh, we're also going to take and do the five biggest recruiting uh uh, coups, I guess, of sorts for uh, for the year. And then we also want to talk ab about just compare last year to this year at the same time and where Texas is at um, uh, directionally and, and see what people think about that as well. So uh, without further ado, let's get into it. Joe, uh, top five biggest things. Uh, I want to start at number five. Um and I went with this. I went with the baseball uh, world's run in the World Series. They they ended the season the way they started the season with losses to Mississippi State, right? Uh, but in between, they were 50 and 17, and it was a surprising run of sorts for Texas. Right. It was a, it was a big prove-it year, too, for David Pierce. Entering this season, uh, he had reached Omaha, but he had also gone 27 and 27. And we didn't get to figure out what 2020 was like, and that was a real promising year. So uh, I don't think he's on the hot seat by any stretch, but it was a prove-it year, especially entering uh, the last year, the last couple of years of his original contract, and he, he proved it. Uh, got all the way to Omaha, won, won the Big 12, uh, came within a couple outs of uh, – you know, reaching the, the national final uh, game and, you know, getting to go against the Vanderbilt team that would have been uh, on its last legs pitching wise. So uh, real overall, you know, I think Texas, you can only give a pluses if the season ends in a national championship, but winning the conference, uh, hosting super regionals, making it that far in Omaha, that, that season definitely got an A from me. Yeah. They, I mean, they lost to the, the, the eventual national champions. I mean, you can't, and there was a lot of fight there. I thought, you know, there were, of course, there were holes in the offense and things like that. But at the end of the day, anybody that gets to the final weekend, basically, in, in college baseball is doing a, a good job. So I thought I wanted to put that at number five. Number four, I went with the Texas OU game. I think that that uh, Texas showed what it could be in the first half with that high-powered offense. Xavier Worthy was absolutely fantastic. Uh, Texas did well on special teams. Uh, but then the second half happened and uh, the Texas defense uh, essentially fell apart, but it didn't just fall apart. Then it was a precursor for what would happen uh, as the horns went on 
a six game losing streak. Right. Pick, pick your storyline. You got Casey's thumb. You have the emergence of Caleb Williams. You have, uh, you know, Xavier worthy, like you mentioned, almost breaking some Jordan Shipley records. That game had everything and it, 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 it somebody had to lose. And it was Texas, which, uh, and, and like you mentioned, it was a precursor for everything else. The defense not being able to adjust the, the offense struggling after Casey's thumb, uh, you know, limited some of what they were able to do on offense. Uh, I, I remember, you know, that's just a game where if you're a Texas fan, you walk out of there numb. You don't really know what to feel. And then the next five weeks happen. So uh, quite a roller coaster ride. And that was that was the beginning of it going downhill. Yep, I agree. So so five, we have the baseball teams run to the World Series in Texas sports. You know, four, Texas OU. Three, I went with the higher slash moving on of Shaka Smart uh, as the number three news. Uh, Texas won the Big 12 with Shaka Smart, but then ceremoniously got dumped in the NCAA tournament, which has been Shaka's, had been Shaka's MO during his tenure. And then it's culminated with the, um, some salty tears out in West Texas over the, <laughs> the hiring of Chris Beard. As I mentioned in the article we wrote today, or I wrote today, it was not a very nice April Fool's joke when on April 1, Chris Beard uh, took the Texas job, uh, Texas basketball job. Yeah, right when that buyout dropped. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned uh, the, the season Shaka had because, yeah, it, it ended pretty poor, pretty dang poorly in the NCAA tournament, but he helped Texas get to something it, it rarely is able to do, and that's win its conference tournament. Um, got to see Jericho Sims smile, which, you know, that, that's a, that's an accomplishment in and of itself. Uh, and I, and then, you know, the tournament happened. I had picked Texas to reach the final four and then they go ahead and lose to, uh, in a really, really ugly game to Abilene Christian. Um, and that paved the way that that's what set things in motion for Shaka to go to Marquette. That's what set things in motion for Chris Del Conte and Chris Beard to, meet at that McDonald's in Plainview. And a few days later, we're talking about uh, Texas head coach, Chris Beard. Yeah. And, and what Beard it, it then did almost immediately fa- after is go so heavy in the, the transfer portal. And while Texas fans in general were familiar with the transfer portal, getting some very good football players through the years that way, uh, his complete sellout almost, uh, to the transfer portal actually was news in itself, right? I mean, that's part of uh, what we might talk about in the recruiting overview that I want to talk about, uh, about the five biggest moments in recruiting. All right, so uh, number two, so number three was Chris Breard. Number two happened early in the year, like almost 362 days ago. On January 2nd, Texas fires Tom Herman uh, and hires uh, Steve Sarkeesian in the same day, essentially. Um, a move orchestrated by Kevin Eltyf, uh, Texas chairman of the Board of Regents, along with uh, Chris Del Conte, the athletic director at Texas, and uh, Jay Hartzell, the Texas president. Uh, Inside Texas, I, I'm happy to say, was on top of, of, of that, uh, even though that there had been some posturing by uh, uh, the Texas athletic department that there would be no change at, at head coach. We were pretty strong that there was going to be a change. In fact, the only outlet not running with quotes uh, from from them uh, about uh, about the, them keeping uh, or maintaining uh, Tom Herman. All that to be said, that day, how do you remember it 
Uh, obviously, it's it, to be to only be number two, right? It, it says something about what number one is, but uh, only to be number two. What is that day? What do you remember about that day, Joe? And obviously, you were one of the people in, deeply involved in that. So, so uh, that day started for me on on Lions Golf Course. Uh, so that that tells you how much I was expecting something to happen that day. Um, playing pretty poorly, and and Eric Maline calls me and says, "What are you doing right now?" I go, "I'm." scrounging around on 12 T he goes, you better get home. Okay. So I sprint off of 12 T to my car. Uh, the, the firing happens while I'm driving home. Um, you know, pub, uh, pull over, uh, park like at 12th in San Antonio, start publishing stuff from my phone, get home. And I start, you know, to dig and we'd seen reports that Steve Sarkeesian was going to be the guy and just trying to find out what things are, how things are happening. Um, you know, we, we kind of reached a point where we knew it was going to be Sarkeesian. Everybody knew it was going to be Sarkeesian. Uh, we were just waiting on the official announcement to come. And during the backdrop of that, Texas is beating the dog out of Kansas in Fog Allen Fieldhouse. So that was a, that was a pretty fun day for me. Uh, I, I do remember, you know, we, I had gone all over. I'd seen basically every, uh, private airport in the central Texas area trying to see, you know, if I could get an eye on uh, one of the, the uh, power brokers or maybe even uh, during the pursuit of Urban Meyer, Urban himself. And uh, that came up short. But, uh, you know, I, 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 after Urban Meyer's name was kind of removed from the hat, uh, we, we chased down all the different candidates, Steve Sarkeesian being one. And then eventually they, they, made, the, they made the move in swiftness just a couple of days after that Alamo Bowl win over Colorado. One guy who I want to give credit to on the hire of Sarkeesian and in the hiring process in general that does not get much uh, credit is a gentleman named Sean Eichhorst, uh, the former Nebraska athletic director is an associate or assistant athletic director to Chris Del Conte. He actually um, has hired or has helped been a uh, emissary of sorts to Texas during the hiring process, not only of, uh, of uh, Sarkeesian, but also of Beard. He is kind of the interplay with agents that Texas has to keep Del Conte's hands and L-Type's hands clean of some of the discussions so that they can literally say, oh, we have, I've had no personal discussion uh, with that. And so I want people to realize that there's some other, other people in the background that are making large contributions. So the Baseball World Series is five, Texas OU four, Chris Beard three, and the, the whole basketball situation two. Um, hire and fire on the same day of January 2nd. And I'm glad you play Lions, by the way. I'm a big fan of public courses. Um, <laughs> so public golf courses. But number one is uh, really the one that uh, shocked the college sports world. And that came uh, uh, right in the midst of uh, the SEC uh, 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 media days, uh, Texas and Oklahoma. Uh, a report by the Houston Chronicles, Brent Zwerneman, reports that Texas and Oklahoma have reached out to the SEC and that the SEC is receptive uh, to that. Uh, two weeks later uh, or so, Texas gets an, Texas and OU uh, simultaneously get an official invite uh, to the conference. Uh, obviously, that rocked college sports. Uh, and that's all talk shows were about for two weeks, three weeks. Uh, Joe, you were there um, in the midst of it again. Uh, as the beat reporter, you were listening to, to whether it was Chris Del Conte or, or we were chasing Kevin Eltife, again, the chairman of the Board of Regents, to try to see if he had any comments on the record. You know, that 
change the trajectory of the Texas sports program, not just in 2021, but per, potentially for the next 50 to 100 years? Yeah, drove up to Tyler to see. Uh, they, they spoke at a Texas X's uh, event in, in Tyler's scholarship dinner, and it was Del Conte, it was Jay Hartzell, it was Kevin Altaif, a, a Tyler. I think the dinner was in his honor. And just to, to hear about, you know, the, 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 some of the process, they didn't want to talk too much about it, but uh, they wanted to hear a, a little bit about it, or they wanted to talk a little bit about it. And, yeah, it, it, sh- it shook college sports. It left the Big 12 scrambling. Uh, it left a bunch of Texas state legislatures wanting to get in shots on the record and, you know, good for them. But uh, their school is now going to be left in the, the, the remainder of the Big 12 and uh, Texas and Oklahoma are moving on to the SEC and it locks up uh, the the sport future. Uh, I think we can all kind of see that there's a trend that super leagues are kind of coming and the Big 12 is not going to be one of those super leagues. So Texas secured their place secured their financial future with the uh, the likely TV contract that a league that includes Texas, Oklahoma, LSU, Texas A&M, Alabama, Florida, Georgia, all those schools uh, that, that'll, that it'll net. Um, and it secured, you know, the future for, for all the different sports, the entire athletic department. They may be stepping down on a, in a basketball sense, but uh, everything else, you know, that, that it's cyclical. And right now the cycle for the SEC is really high. Uh, basically among a bunch of different sports, Big 12 too, to its credit, uh, but it's going to see two of its, uh, you know, main contenders in, in football, it, at least in this past decade, it's football star in Oklahoma and, you know, one-time football star in Texas, uh, hopefully ascending back to it. But, uh, you know, there, it basically it's losing its two best brands, two best draws, two best thing, uh, two best schools that draw eyes to it, to the SEC and, Texas looked out for itself. Oklahoma looked out for itself and uh, brought, you know, brought security to both athletic departments' futures. Yeah, I, I think you did a great job, uh, by the way, on reporting that. Oh, bless you. I think you did a great job reporting on that, you and Justin Wells both, by getting up to Tyler, because y'all brought something that no other site uh, brought other than Inside Texas with direct quotes from that. Uh, I know some other reporters were up there, but you actually got live audio up online, and that was that was tremendous reporting by you guys. Um, so that's the top five: the baseball World Series, Texas OU, Chris Beard, hire and fire of Herman and Steve Sarkeesian on one day, and then the SC moved to the SEC on July 21st. Um, what were a couple of other um, maybe things that people aren't thinking about that you want to want to address that that we're not mentioning right now? Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Um, as far as the full athletic department goes, I think you have to recognize the, the three national championships, uh, Eddie Reese winning his 15th, uh, women's tennis winning theirs, and uh, w- rowing winning, winning their national title. A lot of people don't realize that's a varsity sport, but you know you, you, Texas can, seeks to win championships in everything it does and won three this year. Uh, 13, I think 13 conference titles, 13 top 10 finishes. Won the Director's Cup, unseated Stanford, which has been 
basically it's been their title for the past however many years and Texas knocked them off. Everybody remembers that Sports Illustrated cover with Chris Sims and Cat Osterman on the front. That's, you know, it, it, it came to, to bear in the 2020-2021 uh, cycle and, and Texas finally topped the, the Cardinal and the whole athletic department. I know a lot of uh, Texas fans and people who watch this are basically uh, focused only on football and men's basketball, maybe. But, you know, that's not the focus of Chris Del Conte and, and the university community. They try to win at everything and they did a pretty darn good job. Uh, football drives it all monetarily and popularity wise, but uh, you can't discount the efforts of all the different coaches, especially ones that helped them get the, the award for best athletic department in the country. Yeah, Kat Osterman hanging it up in 2021. She, she won a softball silver medal in, in the mm -hmm. Tokyo Olympics along with nine other Longhorns uh, that won uh, medals there. Um, but to your point, I, while Texas fans, I think, are predominantly football fans than perhaps basketball and baseball fans, they can appreciate excellence, right? Um, and that's what I think the, the athletic department showed this year. Volleyball was in the, the, the national championship game, falling just short to Kentucky uh, uh, last, in the summer, over the summer. Um, you know, I think that uh, I look at it like you do and just think that they can appreciate excellence. The one that I want to mention that I, that I didn't put in the top five, but I think resonated deeply with Texas fans. Uh, the one moment was the surreptitious uh, filming of Bo Davis's tirade on the bus uh, post uh, uh, the Iowa State loss. I thought that galvanized a fan base. And frankly, uh, it, it showcased a fracture on the team while simultaneously um, – putting it out there for all to see that, hey, there's some things that Steve Sarkeesian is fighting that he inherited that just aren't good. Um, and uh, I, I felt the Bo Davis's uh, monologue, for lack of a better term, it wasn't exactly Hamlet, but it was a monologue, right? Right. <laughs> um, and I, I felt like that uh, helped put into perspective the frustrations that many Texas fans felt and also at the same time realize and recognize that those things weren't being were were being addressed, not just you know they're just out there letting it go. The coaches are; they weren't. They were right. they were fighting it and hating it just as much as uh, any general Texas fan was. Yeah, and and something that reminded me of is that year ones of football coaches they're not fun. And Texas has seen one, two, three year ones in the past six years, and year ones are resets of sorts and. Uh, Charlie Strong, you know, he came in and wanted to change the culture, get everybody tough after the Mac Brown era. And then Tom Herman tried to do the same thing. And C. Sarkeesian hasn't been super he, – he hasn't focused on culture as much as his previous two uh, head coach uh, predecessors have. But he was reminded that year ones are not easy processes. And uh, I think that Bo Davis's tirade was part of that process to – you know, try and make sure that this year one gets going along and goes at the pace that it needs to instead of just sitting and being satisfied. So, um, yeah, they're, they're not fun. They're, they're rarely fun. And uh, when you go through three of them in a short time frame, it makes it even worse. But that kind of was in, in, indicative of the uh, effort level that the coaches were putting in in order to try and get the year one growing pains out of the way and on to year two. Yeah. Hey, hey Joe. Um, uh, we're here with Joe. Uh, once again, we're here with Joe Cook, uh, beat writer of Inside Texas. 
also the publisher producer of a one and know uh, podcast that uh, he he puts out every Wednesday and Thursday. Please give it a listen. It's one of the few that I listen to. I appreciate the work you do, um, Joe. Let's let's step into recruiting because that's that's kind of where I grew up in this industry, so to speak. But I know that from a team perspective, you follow it kind of the ebbs and flows. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. I, I, instead of going five to one, I want to go number one in what I thought was the biggest news in recruiting this year. I'm going to start with just, I think Quinn Ewers going into the portal. Um, it came at a time, I think it was December, I want to say, boy, December 5th or I can't remember. It was a Friday I night. I'm looking at my calendar. It may have been December 3rd or December 10th. One okay. Of those I think it's the yeah, third. Friday night. It was the third. It was a Friday night. We hear about it. News breaks. Uh, Pete Thamel, national writer, breaks the story. And we're like, oh boy, this we know this is going to be big for Texas. Um, and uh, it almost gave Texas and Steve Sarkeesian a chance for a reset button in recruiting. Um and that, that's why it meant so much to Texas. The, and the mere fact that Sarkeesian made a, what I termed a beeline to, to Ewers' home that night uh, is phenomenal. Uh, and so uh, it, it uh, of course, went on to be a, a, a little bit of a dragged out recruitment between Texas and Texas Tech. Um, but uh, in the end, the Longhorns won out. And I think that was probably the biggest recruiting story of the year. Yeah, definitely. It showed that Texas wasn't afraid to be on this quarterback portal recruiting landscape. It's basically quarterbacks, every position does this, but quarterbacks, especially highly touted quarterbacks, want to go where they will play as fast as possible and get the best training possible. Uh, Queen Ewers, when he went to Ohio State, I think there was some uh, other considerations there, not being able to be a a quarterback at South Lake Carroll and uh, profit off his name, image, and likeness with being able to graduate early, go to Ohio State, uh, be able to profit off his name, image, and likeness. And, and also uh, him getting playing time up there was always going to be a tough sell or a tough proposition. Uh, but you're still working in, no, no matter how many reps you're getting, you're working in a college system. You're working under Kevin Wilson. You're working under Ryan Day. It, 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 it showed that he was very aware of what the new college football landscape for high-profile quarterbacks was like. Steve Sarkeesian going and getting Quinn Ewers after pursuing him during his first few months on the job when he was when Quinn was still at Southlake uh, shows that he understands it, that he looked at the quarterback room, uh, saw – and, and it's interesting because he always mentioned he wouldn't have taken the Texas job if there weren't quality quarterbacks on the roster. I think over the course of the season – whether it be injury, whether it be just when the light's turning on, it didn't click the same way it may have in practice. He realized, I, I've got to step up this position group. And uh, he had a longstanding relationship with Quinn Ewers, recruited him at Alabama, recruited him at Texas, uh, went and got him, had to beat Texas Tech in order to get him. And Texas Tech had a very strong sell with those Zach Kitley and Joey McGuire and whatever NIL opportunities they may have offered as well. Uh, but uh, ultimately, Quinn Ewers wanted to come back to the place he originally was committed to, and uh, you know that's that that will help Texas on the trail. It happened basically what four three days before signing day, so the effect it could have had on the 2022 class was a little bit limited. But you should see, especially if uh, prospects are able to 
visit Texas during the spring, which now they're going to be able to do that. I don't think they were able to do that last year. See spring practices, maybe see what is going on at practice and see what, uh, I don't know what number he'll be wearing because three is occupied by Kevin Sanders at this point, but see what the quarterbacks are doing, see what the offense is doing. Uh, I think it's going to po- prove to have some benefits on the trail in both 2023 and maybe 2024, but that's kind of a long way away. So, so instead of ranking the the, the other recruiting storylines, I want to mention the ones that I thought were perhaps the biggest uh, from the year. Um, I felt like the two-week uh, close to the summer uh, where Bo Davis signed, I believe, or got commitments from four highly touted defensive linemen, three from out of state, uh, along with Jeray Bledsoe out of Marlin over a Texas A&M and an Alabama and Oklahoma that had offered him. I thought that was a big, big turning point because clearly as the season progressed, you saw the immediate need they had, especially on, at defensive end uh, in this system. Uh, I also felt, felt like the flips on National Signing Day were enormous. Uh, Terrence Brooks, Xavion Bryce, uh, Ethan Burke, uh, getting them away uh, from uh, Ohio State, Oklahoma, and Michigan, respectively. Then you add uh, 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 Savion Red, uh, an athlete that committed on signing day as well. Thought that was big. Probably the week or two before that, you also had the NIL group, uh, Clarkfield Collective, as well as the Pancake Factory. Thought that was a, a, a fairly significant recruiting story uh, that will follow. Uh, and, and not necessarily because it's recruiting based, but because it, it, it will no doubt uh, affect recruiting over the long haul, uh, even though the players will not be paid until uh, until they arrive and are actually enrolled on campus. Beyond that, I, I felt like the, the three-day haul, offensive line haul of uh, Kelvin Banks, he really started it all on that Saturday before signing day. Then Cam Williams the very next day, Neto Umiozulu uh, the day after, Malik Ogbo on a Wednesday. Uh, and then possibly we're waiting to see what exactly happens with Devon Campbell as well. Um, Texas is in Connor Robertson and, and Cole Hudson had already been on board. I thought that was a big piece. A uh, couple of ones that I want to mention also in football that I thought went under the radar too much. Uh, first of all, Brennan Thompson on October 6th chose Texas over a, a host of other suitors, including AM at a time when the, the Aggies were getting good. Uh, and then uh, really to start off, BJ Allen and Chris Ross in February and March, uh, uh, started that recruiting class off. Uh, in basketball, Arterio Morris, uh, Jerry Hamilton covers basketball recruiting as well. And he says that that young man is a, a special player. He wouldn't be surprised even, he committed on July 17th. He wouldn't be surprised if he even goes to the NBA G League. He's so talented uh, and not, and so that's one that we're gonna have to, to monitor. Um, that, those are the big recruiting stories along with the portal for Chris Beard that we had mentioned previously. Um, comparing this year, to close this out, Joe, I want to talk about directionally. You know, January 1 of a year ago, Texas was looking at a potential firing of a head coach in, in football, an uncertainty in basketball, as you mentioned in baseball, kind of a prove-it year. Where are they at? December 31st, 2021, as they look into 2022? 
I'll go with what I know really, really well. That's baseball. They're the number one team in the country this year. They don't have any – I don't see any roster holes. Uh, they, they lost Zach Zubia and, and Cam Williams, their corner infielders, and replaced them with a strong transfer in Skylar Messenger and then uh, Ivan Melendez at first. Rotation set, back into the bullpen set. They're the number one team because they, they returned so much of what they had. Uh, Chris Beard, uh, comparing to the team last year, uh, I think at this time they were in good shape, but COVID had made everything such an uncertainty. Remember, the Texas had to play Oklahoma shorthanded and without even Shaka Smart. Now there's still uncertainty, obviously. Who knows if we'll get through 18 conference games, but uh, I think there's still there's a different sense of uncertainty. I think people are very bright on or very optimistic about the program trajectory under Chris Beard, whereas last year they were not optimistic about the program trajectory under Shaka Smart. Uh, but in the near immediacy, there there's a lot of proven. They 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 played ten weak opponents. They have the worst strength of schedule in Ken Palm, which is one way of looking at it, but a very reliable way of looking at it. Uh, based off their non-conference schedule. And that includes Gonzaga. So they're dead last in that. They're about to go through a conference slate that posts, uh, you know, all top 100 teams, I think, in the in, in the net rankings, which the NCAA committee uses. So there's a positive outlook on the program trajectory, but uncertainty about this upcoming uh, stretch, uh, even though they'll probably still end up, because of how, how good they are on defense and the quality of the Big 12, they will end up a tournament team in all likelihood. And then finally, finally with football, I think a lot of people rode the high of any new hire. Uh, some, some looked at Steve Sarkeesian's personal life and thought, okay, you know, if he failed there, he's going to fail again. Uh, and that's, that's one way to look at it. We've got no reason to think that his personal life is going to interject into his football life, but you saw the recruiting. He, you know, he went through the, uh, coaching hiring process in kind of a staggered way, I guess to say. Um, and then he had to recruit until about May without any face-to-face interaction. A bunch of different staffs had face-to-face interaction prior, way back when, and could build off those relationships. Meanwhile, Steve Sarkeesian had to pick up relationships that Tom Herman had built on Zoom and may not have built good ones. So you saw the recruiting. I, you mentioned the Bo Davis uh, surge. Everywhere else, was not a surge uh, as far as recruiting goes. And then the Arkansas game comes around, looks okay when they walk out of Fort Worth with a win, a close one at that, but then the season happens. So, uh, but then you have, you know, Texas was the, had the best off season of any five and seven team in the country and had a lot of help around with Cristobal leaving for, or, for Miami, Lincoln Riley leaving, uh, not super impressive hires by good hires, uh, but nothing that's going to strike fear into me from OU and LSU with Venables and, and Brian Kelly. Uh, you know, they, they have everything going for them. They've got they've added talent. They added a quarterback. Uh, we'll see what other changes are, are potentially made uh, going forward. Any sort of additions uh, and whatever uh, uh, players are still yet to sign before the early signing or before the second signing day comes around. But. It's, it's been an up-and-down uh, season for, for Steve Sarkeesian, uh, but it, it seems like, you know, after a painful year one, like most year ones are, there's good reason to think that there's going to be a step up in year two, and if there's not, then there's a lot more issues going on than, than what we're talking about. Yeah, the, the team finished 
to your point, the team finished with a number five ranked recruiting class off of a five and seven season. Uh, and that doesn't include Quinn Ewers or Ryan Watts, both transfers from Ohio State who are uh, tremendous players. I think that directionally, there's no doubt Texas baseball, to your point, is in good shape. Texas basketball is in good shape. Uh, it's, it, it is kind of a prove-it time period coming up in the new year for, for Chris Beard there. Uh, but compared to Shaka Smart, I think that the basketball program's in better hands today. I also think that the football program's in better hands than it was under Tom Herman. Um, I feel like Steve Sarkeesian has a better feel uh, for what Texas fans want. I think he has an offense that Texas fans like. They've got some work to do on defense to get it out there. But uh, I think 2022 overall, given the number of incoming players they've got, you mentioned the quarterback. I just think that uh, 2022, it may not be a 10-win season for Texas on the football field next year, but I think it's going to be a different team. And uh, I think Texas fans probably welcoming that. Uh, all right, without further, I, I think we're going we're gonna to close it up here, Joe. I really appreciate your time. Uh, good luck in the new year. You have a happy new year. If you enjoyed this uh, video, please click the subscribe button on the bottom right-hand portion of your screen. We enjoy uh, talking to you guys on a, on a near daily basis here on, on uh, YouTube, as well as Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Uh, furthermore, if you're interested in starting the new year right, make sure you subscribe to InsideTexas.com. That's where Joe and I and, and uh, numerous others are there every day answering questions, talking with fans, and giving you the latest and greatest news, including uh, on three breaking the news last night that uh, Brennan Marion uh, would be the new wide receivers coach for the University of Texas. For Joe Cook, I'm Bobby Burton. Thanks for listening to On Texas Football. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.